Hello, everybody. I'm Marília from São Paulo, Brazil, and you're listening to m 2 podcast. Fuck it, I can't remember it again. So this is what happens you on a Thursday. That's made in. Um, <laughs> Welcome to the Empty Spiral Podcast. There we go, thank you. Welcome to the Empty Spiral Podcast, the official podcast of the Lacunacore community. My name is Matt Rycroft and I'm joined today by... Mike Dyer. And Russell Taylor. How are you doing, my friends? Uh, good, thank you. Yep, good, covered in snow, but other than that, no complaints at all. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, it's April here in England and it's freezing and something's gone horribly wrong somewhere. Yeah, jolly cold. Yeah, spring needs to be reminded that it should be coming along about now. In fact, it should have been here a while. And winter just needs to kind of bugger off, really, as far as I'm concerned. It's anyway. probably just sticking around until we get to the review of cold. After that, it will sort of start to shift. Ah, see what you did there. See, very, see. Very, very good, good. very good. Right, well, let's move on swiftly, shall we? Um, <laughs> uh, news this week. So, we start off the week with our um, yearly... April Fool's joke, which uh, hopefully you saw on the front page of Inspire and on Facebook, which was, of course, uh, Chris and Marco releasing a, what did I describe it as? Kind of a gangster rap single called Strada Pesce Pato, otherwise known as uh, Street Fish Crazy or Street Fish Fool. Uh, I thought it was a great name. Uh, in their pseudonyms as Ragazzi di Milano, which is uh, Boys from Milan. The guys loved it, and uh, the front cover of the single the, sorry, the uh, pseudo-single, the not-real single, don't try to buy it from iTunes Italy because you will be disappointed, <laughs> uh, uh, was was uh, put together by by Marco himself. So if you want to see the single, you can you can click on it for a larger version on the front page of Empty Spiral. Uh, we love it, uh, and I might make it bigger and easier on my desktop or something. For those of you who are not familiar with uh, the April Fools, we do one every year. Um... We've had some interesting ones over the years, and we've also caught a few people quite a few times, and I've had more than one person contact me and said that they've actually asked the Kuna call the band about it. Um, so yeah, it's been quite entertaining. In other news, you'll see that uh, Andrea has been interviewed a few times this week, the first by uh, Metal Illuminati TV, where he talks about the state of the music industry, and also gives us a little uh, teaser by saying that... Uh, at the end of the year, the band will um, be returning to the studio. Uh, Marco is currently songwriting whilst he's uh, at home convalescing because of his uh, arm injury. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the band will be heading to the studio later on this year. So kind of suggests that within the next 18 months or so, we'll be seeing another new album. At least that's what it suggests to me. What do you think, guys? No complaints there at all. Indeed. Yeah, it's very positive news. It's uh, all systems go by the sounds of things uh working in the background and it can only be uh, great news for everyone really that yeah. you get something out of them very quickly yeah very quick turnaround yeah yeah it's excellent good. Uh, the second interview we, is with uh, Stephanie from Stephanie's Rock Show again it's a very good interview uh, talks only a short interview but he talks about the inspiration for the end of time video uh, which is quite fun to hear as well so if you've not checked them out do so they're on the front page of ES you'll also find them linked on our Facebook uh, and I'll also put the links in the show notes. So, yeah, check them out. Good interviews. Uh, final bit of news this week is the exciting news that the Anti-Spiral podcast is now available on Stitcher. 
So you no longer need to come to Empty Spiral uh, or download it via iTunes. You can now get it on your mobiles and via the web via Stitcher Radio. Again, there's the link on the front page for Empty Spiral. Or if you go to Stitcher Radio on your iPhone or your Android or however way you get there and just type in Empty Spiral, you'll soon find it and you'll be able to uh, add it to your playlist and uh, listen to it every week. So pretty exciting stuff for those people who want to uh, listen to the podcast as soon as it's available. And we're excited that we've been added to the radio network. Right, guys, today we're talking about most memorable Lacuna Coil show. Who wants to kick off? Uh, I'll let Russ go first. <laughs> okay, uh, it's quite, well, it's never an easy one because all the shows are great. Um, the one that really sticks out in my mind is, it was the Karma Code Tour. Uh, it was October 2006, which was at the London Astoria. And I remember it for a couple of reasons. Um, firstly, because the band came out to an intro of You Create and then sort of kicked into What I See. But what was unique about it was sort of they were wearing, each member of the band had the Karma Code sort of face mask with the bandage. So it was really kind of creepy and eerie that they all sort oh, of... Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that's the one. They all sort of walked out. You Create was sort of playing as an intro. And they all just sort of stood there motionless. It was really kind of sort of freaky and trippy, and it went really well with, you know, Halloween was coming up. So that, that was the first memorable moment. Uh, Didn't they also use um, phosphorescent light then? Uh, all, were they, were... I think so, yeah. And, yeah I'm um, sure it was kind of really ghostly look on that's the it. stage. And mm. quite, a bit, quite a bit of smoke as well, I think, on that particular show. Um, and I also remember it because it was the first time, and it might have been the only time, um, I've seen them play Virtual Environment live which was the last song before the encore. Uh, Remember, it was was To the Edge, then into Daylight Dancer, which used to be the ending, then Virtual Environment, which came as a real, real surprise. And then it was an encore of uh, Enjoy the Silence, Heaven's a Lion, Our Truth. So it was memorable, one, because of the thematics of the mask, and it tied in really well with the album, two, because of Virtual Environment, and three, because it was a a very energetic show and I think you've both been to the Astoria a fair few times when it was around and it was just a really cool venue. Didn't they, after they play Virtual Environment, just kind of walk off the stage? That's it. As I recall. Yep. As the music was just playing out. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was great. That really was good, wasn't it? If if anyone's never heard that, it's a B-side to the Karma Code album and definitely do because it's, it's a great, great song as I'm sure you'll both agree. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, I and think it's, one of, it's great. Yeah, awesome. It, it was interesting because I remember at the time when they were playing that, looking around and you could see people going, what the hell is this? Yeah, what was this? Yeah. It was so so many people didn't know about that song and it was just such a great song. Um, and yeah, I completely agree with you. If you've not, if not heard uh, Virtual Environment or, or even uh, Without a Reason, which was another B-side from uh, from the Karma Code album, uh, do listen to them both because they're both great songs and uh, it's, it's almost a travesty that they didn't get a chance to see the light of day on the album itself I actually filmed it I seem to remember from the uh, I think I went to the Sheffield show that year so I've got that somewhere hanging around of the um, when they played it I seem to remember so I'll have to try and find that was that 06 or yeah, was it 05 yeah. October was it? 06 yeah I'm just looking at that I'll see that this would have been the story was 13th of October, it, by my yeah. reckoning. Day after Manchester. That's right. And then they played the King's College the following day, mm. which yeah. was upstairs in the uh, Student Union. I remember that now. 
Yes, excellent. Okay, so that's your memorable one. Good times, good times. Mike, what about you? Um, well, as, as you both um, and anyone else that's been following them for a long time has loads of very good memories from shows. But mine, I would say, is fairly recent when I went over to um, when I went to Milan in October 2011. Um, I'd seen them in Milan in 2007 with Resophonic for um, they did a, um, a gig for Rock TV. Um, like they do every year. So I saw them back in 2007, but this was the first time in uh, 2011 I'd actually seen them open, um, uh, play in Italy on the tour. So uh, this this was the opening of the actual tour in 2011. Yeah, it was the actual uh, tour opener, I, I seem to remember, the actual Milan date. And uh, just for so many reasons, like actually going over there and seeing them in their hometown, um, I just thought it was fantastic. Okay, anything specific about the show that you recall? Set list wise, uh, I, it's hard to hard to remember. I just think I was just so overly excited about going, there. and I don't think I told many people at the time that I was going, and just to actually be there and then meet them early in the day at the venue because the venue was not like in Central Milan. It was quite quite far out, so I had to. Uh, um, I went with um, another caller, Tiffany, and we had to go via bus. I seem to remember it took an awfully long time to get there, and it was just like the whole the whole um, effort of flying over the journey uh, to actually get to the to the venue, and the whole experience really was was um, very very memorable indeed. Hmm. Hmm. I'm struggling mm-hmm. with this. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling yeah, with you've this only one. You've been to one or two shows, so you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I've been to quite a few shows, and it's really hard. When we discussed the fact that we were going to talk about most memorable show or, me- or memorable moment, there have been just so many. Too many, me. I think, aren't there? Well, I, too many is a subjective thing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> come back to me in another seventy odd shows, and I'll tell you whether there's been too many. Which one was it that was your your fiftieth show where you got the dedication? Was that in Glasgow? Was that King Tut's? Yeah, no, it wasn't no. actually. That was, I think that was in Norwich, I think. Do you know what? It's terrible. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there has been so many good moments, so many memorable shows. The, the problem I have is that going to see Lacuna Call is just about the show. It's about the whole experience. It's yep. about inevitably travelling around with various people, yourselves included, yeah. to various places in the UK and abroad. Um, the before the show, the after the show, the during the show. So, trying to nail it down. Okay, here's one. Here's one that I remember clearly. Ozfest. No, not uh, yeah. Ozfest 2006 was great because I went over to the US and saw a couple of shows there. But just before that, they played Grass Pop. And that was memorable to me for two reasons. The first reason being it was the first time I got on a barrier at Lacuna Core show. So it was the first time I was at the front. Okay. And it was also the show where they first dedicated a song to Empty Spiral. And as you can well imagine, in front of quite a few thousand people, because it was at a festival... For the band to do that, first time they'd ever done that, was extremely humbling for me. And it kind of, it was a bit surreal, 
Yeah. And that that was a really strange moment, and I was a bit I must I was a bit taken aback, if I'm honest. So yeah, that was very 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 memorable. Um, but there've been moments all the way through. You know, every single show seems to have a memorable moment about it. Um, I remember someone wanting to pass something to Christina at a show, and uh, I was in front of them, and they couldn't quite reach. So she was trying to. I was again at the barrier, and she was trying to point to the person to pass it to me, because I'd pass it on to her, because obviously she knew who I was. Uh, but he wasn't having any of it. She so was like, "No, no, no I want to pass it to that random person. <laughs> uh, I want to, I want to pass it to, to you." Uh, there's just lots and lots of bits of of various shows. In terms of music, though. And Russ, you mentioned Virtual Environment played. Mm-hmm. I think it was probably the first time, and this might have been at Scala, this would have been a good few years ago, where there was a group of us pretty much all at the front, and they played 119. And uh, there was lots of chants of mouse, 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 as as he was doing his guitar solo. Uh, and that was quite cool. I quite remember that. Uh, I remember that quite specifically. That was quite a cool moment. Uh, but there've been so many of them, and I, and I hope there'll be a lot more. I'm sure everybody's got their favourite moments. Yep. Review time. So this week we are reviewing Honeymoon Suite, the third song from the Inner Reverie album. Whose turn is it to start this week? I think it's Mike. Is it yeah, go Mike. Yeah, we've we decided. Yeah, yeah. T- two against one. <laughs> Shoot from hip and start. Go for it. Yeah. Um, well, I would say that this so far is my favourite uh, favourite song. Out if we're like we're doing them all in order. If you know from the uh, past reviews, this hits you uh, very, very, um, very hard. Like a well. It's, Not a freight train. Doesn't hit you like a freight train. You've already used that one. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think now. <laughs> Thinking on my feet. A passenger train. Yes. It's ve- very good musically and lyrically. I think that if you look at the... Uh, there's obviously the interaction between two people and breaking up, it seems. But the other th- things, when I've looked through the lyrics, Don't You Feel My Rejection, Baby... Uh, come uh, come there now I've got something to tell you honey uh, and then it goes on later on if you know I don't need your affection darling I can't work out whether that's someone either very angry in the song and the, being quite patronising to the other person or whether the, it's something else but I think that the way that it works between two different people and about presumably a breakup. It um, lyrically, I think it's very good just by the length of the the length of the song and the uh, the verses and everything. And I think it works very well. Fair enough. What about you, Russ? Uh, I've got to say that it's one of those happy, not a care in the world, summertime, rosy, beautiful songs, and everything's going to be okay. Who am I kidding? That, that's Who that's am the I impression I get. But I really like this song. Um, I agree with Mike um, from reading the lyrics. It's it's a, a dark breakup song. There's a lot of emotion uh, in the vocal lines. I like the lyrical interplay between the male and the female vocal, which 
again, he's very iconic for that time period of, you know, being something that was different. And for me, I'd probably say that following on from Falling, this is the, the second classic iconic Laguna Coral song for me um, in terms of songs that really stand out. Uh, musically, I well, like it. From, I think from this period or from um, this album? In or? terms of viewing the discography from start to finish. So fall, Falling being the first you know, iconic song and then Honeymoon Suite, then, you know, following on, you know, My Wings and Veins of Glass, which we'll come on to. So this for me is like the, the second big song. Super uh, heavyweight. Mm. Mm. Musically, I really like it. I think it's placed perfectly in the album with the sequencing and the flow. And I really like the double bass drumming that comes in about three minutes into the song, which just adds a, a rhythmic dynamic that sort of switches the song around and then propels it into the final third so following on from mike again it it packs that sort of weighty punch so i really like this song mm. uh, you guys have pretty much covered most of what i've got to say i love the beginning i love the reprise christina's reprise at that slow part my favorite lyrics come come in that part of the song especially where she she talks about all the lies i've told you are south thorns in my mouth i think that's great the call in the past a lot, and a lot of the time, especially in the, the media, refer to the whole dueling vocals. And although we've seen dueling, we've heard dueling vocals before. Uh, by the time we're we're this way through the uh, the discography, this is the first time I really get that true sense of of dueling vocals. I mean, in Stately Love, I kind of had them, but this time we've got back and forth and back and forth. Uh, the contra- contradictory views, the the argument that we hear in the song between Andrea and Christina. And I, that really, really works. And it's, it's to me, I think it's something that uh, they continue to do throughout a lot of certainly the first three or four albums. You don't get it quite as much now, uh, which is, I think, a bit of a loss, actually. I really like the dueling vocals. You still get both of their lyrics, both of their vocals in the songs, of course, but not in this kind of same way mm. where they're arguing within the music. I think your point, Mike, about the, the references to the honey, baby, darling, patronising. I hadn't really picked up on that before, and I think it's a good point. It's hard mm. to tell. I, it it kind of suggests to me that the the man is recognising that uh, he still has affection for the woman, but whatever it is she's done, he can't forgive her for. It's, unforgiv- it's yeah, unforgivable. Yeah. Mm. It's a big guessing game with it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I do wonder if it... Because it, it follows on directly from Stately Lover. Mm. And I wonder if that was intentional. Looking at the lyrics, looking at the tone of the song, whether they, te- you know, just just because of the t- the type of lyrics there, there's almost like a story which takes you on from the last song to this song. Mm. I'd never thought of that either, but now you've yeah. mentioned it, yeah, it flows very well between the two. It sort of follows on, I think it was yourself who said it, Matt, it might have been last week or the week before, in the Inner Reverie is perhaps lyrically the darkest of the albums. If you're looking sort of the final line, be a nightmare in my sleep, scare me forever, like a bullet in my soul, kill me forever. So, as I said, there's a, there's a lot of darkness and a lot of sort of emotion within that song. Uh, I would I would go out on a limb and say that this is I I really put this up there and I'll give it a nine. I would give it a ten, but I think ten, not a ten at the moment. I'll, I'll stick with a nine and think that it, I just think it's an amazing song and I really I really loved it when um, we heard it live on one of the recent tours. 
I think it works really well. Russ? It's quite tough. Um, sort of, We're trying to be consistent and think of it in comparison to the other songs. I think it is a great song. I think it's one of the standout tracks to Inner Reverie. There are songs that I like more. So it's for me, it's somewhere in between an eight and a nine. Um, but Maybe like an eight and a half. Eight, eight, eight. <laughs> well, I thought we were doing away with the halves and the ten. No, I keep trying, no. but you keep bringing them back. Excellent. Back right. again. I, I'm going to go for the cop-out approach and say it's it's an eight and a half out of ten. I really struggle with the rating for this song. I, I It's actually one of those songs that I don't like now as much as I used to. That's not to say that I don't think it's a good song. It's a great song. But when I first listened to it for the first, I don't know, six or seven years of listening to it, I liked it more than I do now. And maybe I'm thinking this is something that's happened to me very recently. It's because I've got slightly, I've got more respect for some of the other songs from the earlier part of the band's career that I I appreciate them more. And as a consequence, they've kind of, I don't, it's not that I appreciate this any less. It's just that I appreciate them more. Mm. And when I look at Stately Lover, which I gave an eight to, I don't see this song being better than Stately Lover. When maybe a couple of years ago, I would have said this was a better song than Stately Lover. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm rambling a little bit there. So I totally agree. I'm, I mean, I think, yeah. In my head, I think this is also an eight, like Stately Lover. Mm. It's still a great song, you know, in terms of, upon reflection and relative to the rest of the, the band's discography, uh, Honeymoon, Sweet, Honeymoon Sweet, I'll get my words out right, is a, a classic from that era. Yeah, yeah. But it's not any better than State You Lover, and I love State You Lover, so I'm going to give it an eight. There you go. I think the interesting thing, I don't know whether you'll both agree, is that f- for me, when when you listen to this and then when we've heard it live, I think it's because it's one of those songs on set lists that you don't hear very often. Certainly for me, I I, I just love this song even more, and it, it's like adding fuel to a fire. I think that once you hear it live, it's just... It's, to me, it's just absolutely unbelievable that, that both years ago and now I just have so much time for this song. I also don't think it's one of those songs that's aged at all. No, it's, no, it's not It's as good now, is it? Yeah, they could release it tomorrow, I think, and it would... I mean, it wouldn't fit in with the... necessarily fit in with the current stuff that they're releasing, but I think it's, like you say, it's not something that you think it's it's an awfully long time ago since they released it. I think it's it's aged very well. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So there we go. Honeymoon Suite. Okay, well, that brings us to a close this week. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so, of course, via the Empty Spiral website, which is www.emptyspiral.net. We're also available on Facebook, which is uh, facebook.com forward slash emptyspiral.net. And, of course, our Twitter account. Do send us a tweet. We always reply, which is at emptyspiralnet. And, of course, we're now available on Stitcher as well as iTunes. So head over to Stitcher or iTunes, type in Empty Spiral, you're bound to find us and subscribe there. Like us, vote for us, do all those kind of cool things that you can do on those sites. We would really appreciate the feedback. Uh, And even if you don't like us, just let us know why so that we can uh, make some improvements for the future. Next week, we've got uh, Ivana from Belgrade. So look out for that interview. And hopefully you will join us then. All right, so it's goodbye from Mike. 
Goodbye. Thank you for listening again. Goodbye from Russ. See everyone. Check out Honeymoon Suite and rock on. And it's goodbye from me. Have a lacuna cool week. Cheers. Cheers.